Are we ready? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I said we're rolling. Oh, sorry. Let me unpack that for you a little bit. Welcome to the Life After. This is Brady Hart, and, and with I, me as always is um, I am Chuck. I am Chuck Parson. Over Chuck here. Parson. Hey, we've we've got a great guest today, and we we had we played a game with her before we started, where we had two different ideas of how we could start off this episode. The first one was, could we talk about? You know, whenever we talk about our testimonies about leaving the church, it's our stories, oh God, testimonies, Brady, Jesus Christ. Somebody called them their exemonies. Trigger warning. We have to put a cute. trigger warning on this episode Well, we do now. need to put a trigger warning on this episode. Five seconds in. We do need to put a trigger warning. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of sexual things, sexual abuse, etc. But um, we we talk about our stories and then we sometimes involve our families. And it's like, oh my God, what do I say about my family or not? Right? The other option was to talk about fuck buddies. Right. We flipped a coin. We flipped a coin. Fuck buddies. Fuck buddies won. I mean, it was, you know, it was inevitable. But for this conversation, <laughs> fuck because buddies always win. it's all her fault that we're talking about fuck buddies yeah, that's is true. Ronna Russell. And so we have to bring her on for the beginning of the segment. And then we're going to talk about her, her story. But first, everybody, welcome to our show, Ronna Russell. Ronna Russell. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Our pleasure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So... My ode to fuck buddies. I like to use the word friends with benefits because that's just kind of a FWBs. priority thing. I like to know somebody a little bit more. But that's a cool category, am I right? As somebody who's coming out of ex-evangelical, who I was very much in purity culture. I repressed myself until I was 28 uh, from being gay, but like didn't have sex until I was married. Right, right, right. Whatever. Didn't didn't do any gay sex. Mm-hmm. And so finally, no getting sex you enjoyed. Access to that part <laughs> of who I am in my body was cool, and it also at the same time realizing that it didn't have this weird soul connection because we did this crazy thing beforehand oh, called yeah. communicating oh yeah that's a what a concept you know <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean like i think that the first time you sort of venture out and do a sexual thing with a person whether i mean honestly whether you're in some kind of relationship with them or not post i'm talking post evangelicalism right Mm -hmm. like after you're out it's sort of like a dipping your toe in the water it's like a little bit of like how's this gonna go rana would you describe it as dipping your toe in the water or is your sexual experience a little bit different i i I jumped all the way and got like got the hair wet all the way down yeah yeah yeah. i mean yeah yeah, i'm not saying that you okay cool yeah i was not dipping any toes thanks brady yeah i mean i I dipped more than a toe. Let's let's be real. Rana, yeah. does this guy know how sex works? I'm, oh my god! I am. Like, All right. Well, my point is obviously. I'm just moved, kidding, no, so I'm just no, not no, going to no, finish tell it. Me what tell me what you're trying to Pull together. I gotta pull it together. Um, what, what did you mean? Well, I. <laughs> I meant dipping your toe in the fucking water, Brady. It's an idiom that people use. Were <laughs> um, you eating in? Is that what you're saying? It's you were, like, you were, well, what I'm saying is that you tentative? are... 
is that you're you're like a little bit afraid because you've been told your whole life that the, if you do this, it's going to have yes. lasting negative effects on yes, your life. Absolutely. So you're not you're not like this is gonna be great. It's not like now where you're like fuck yeah, you want to throw right. down? Let's go. I was scared. I you're was like, scared to death. This was what I'm saying, right? So you, I mean, maybe what <laughs> the lightning that? strike. Um, you know, like for me, it was more complicated than that because Mm. like the church cultures that I grew up in, they use, okay, so you know how churches like use the really convenient parts of science, but then like don't actually tell you the whole truth about what the science says, right? That makes sense. So like I learned about oxytocin in high school, right? Which is a bonding hormone that's real. It happens when women breastfeed. It happens when you have sex Mm. with a person. It's released. It causes you to feel emotionally connected to a person. It's like what it's when you are going through a hard breakup and you're heartbroken and you're crying and you're weeping. That's fucking oxytocin. Because you're you're kind of missing. Yeah, it's you're you're you are bonded to that person because of like hormonal thing and you know like withdrawals. It it yes exactly it's like mm. withdrawal. So I I was told that if I have sex with somebody, I'm going to be connected, like bonded to You're them. Gonna... So or or they're going to be bonded to me or both. So then if I have a casual encounter with somebody, it's going to cause all of these emotional complications. They might get too attached to me. I might get too attached to them. Oh my god, it's I might meth. get hurt. Yeah, not, not even yeah. once. <laughs> Not even once. Right, yeah. They treated oxytocin like it was fucking heroin. <laughs> so I was like really cautious about that. You know, I mean that was yeah. one that was one of my biggest <clears throat> things, you know. And it it was also like, is this a road towards like is this gonna become Ooh, a yeah, habit for yeah. me? Is this be- gonna become a compulsive thing for me? Because like I grew up most of my life believing that my sexuality was compulsory and not it, something mm. that I had control over because I was repressing it and it felt compulsory. So it was like, there was all kinds of like pre, like I was afraid of a lot of things that mm. could happen Absolutely. as a result of hooking up with somebody. Mm. And I was like, is the rest of the world just not being honest with themselves? You know, And I had to answer those questions. So it's mm. like, that's what I mean when I say dipping your toe in the water. It's like, uh, is this going to be okay? And yeah. then it totally is. And right? It, right? Was that your experience, Rana, whenever you finally took the plunge? Took the plunge. I think I was uh, I was desperately lonely. So when I took the we're talking about the big plunge. The plunge into <laughs> having plunge fun plunge. sex. Um that was a a boyfriend as a teenager, and ah. we were still very much in the in in the church situation. And we had a lot of chemistry and I was really like kind of Hormones were in full gear and rare, rare to go. Um, but I think on another level, there that works on several several levels. For one thing, as a as a female, especially your value, your virginity, mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. your body is your that's your worth. That's your value. Right. You're worth something with it. You're worth nothing without it. Yes. And and that combined with just being very much a alone not only in the church but even within my own family i was uh, i felt very isolated and i think i attached myself to this person um and i certainly was more than willing to have sex with him um but i thought that was kind of like a contract like oh, oh now he's and now i will have a person 
Right. Okay. And we will hang in there for a few more years till I'm out of high school. And then, well, he'll have to marry me because I fucked him. Right. Okay. And I, I don't know that I actually went through that thought process consciously. Right. But, but that's the conditioning. Hmm. And so then I was very shocked and devastated when he did not. Do yeah, I was things. gonna say, how did how did that play <laughs> out? Did you did you guys hang out for a while? Did you? Uh, yeah, but he he had a whole lot of guilt about it, and and was kind of really veering further into the religion, and I wasn't. And uh, he he broke up with me, and I was heartbroken. Mm-hmm. But and also just even more alone than I was before. And then I also felt like damaged goods. Right. Even though on some, on some level, I didn't really believe that stuff. It's just so deeply it ingrained sticks. that you yes. cannot believe it. And it's still yeah. in there. Yeah. 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 And right. I don't know quite how to describe that adequately, but like you can't really disassociate I mean, from yeah, it. It's... Even when you can intellectually realize that like, that cannot be true of that. I cannot be going to hell for this because right. this is a, a thing that people do. Yeah. Um, it's like a core belief. It's like how sometimes I'm still like, is abortion okay? You know, because it's, it's just, it was just told to me over and over and over and over and over and over. And yeah, intellectually, yes, duh. But like, yeah, it's still, it's still in there. You know, mm. now I have a question, Rana. Now, can we contrast what you just described to what it was like after your whole evangelical experience? Hold on. I just want to interrupt for a second and just say, so the book is called The Uncomfortable Confessions of a Preacher's Kid. And uh, this book, when I picked it up, I was like, <laughs> I had a certain expectation for how it was going to start out. And it was immediately shattered in the best way possible because this book starts out saucy and hot, and there's there's an affair, and there's she says cock a lot. She says cock and pussy, and it's 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 juicy, man. I mean, it's good. What's juicy? There's muscles. There's so- sex. There's doggy style. It's all in there, man. And I'm telling you, like, you will pick up this book and you will not set it down until you absolutely have to. So, With that said, Rana, uh, can you please contrast that to your... <laughs> it's hot in here. I know, I'm saying, I'm saying. Whew, mm. Somebody turn up the AC. I need to read it, I need to read it again. <clears throat> yeah, you do. <laughs> I need to read it again. <laughs> but... Did you, whenever you finally came out of evangelicalism and were able to access that cool part of you where you're like, oh, I can have this sort of exchange with somebody without using them because we're, we have communication, it's good. And to be able to jump into that, like, how much shame did you feel and how horrible was your life afterwards? And did you feel like you were never going to be forgiven? Is that exactly <laughs> how that went? Because that's what I was told my whole life. <laughs> so it took me a long time to get there. Mm-hmm. I had to endure a 22 year marriage mm. um, oh, yeah. before I got to that place. So right out of the whole church culture, I was on my own for a few years uh, as a young adult, lost and confused and sleeping around thinking that I could, you know, have some fun that way, but it really wasn't fun because I was too lonely to be having fun and didn't have the self-confidence to really grab those experiences and make them my own. I was still seeking connection, Mm -hmm. uh, looking for love in all the wrong places as the old tune goes. Right. That song might be before your time. Yeah. Well, don't sing it because I think we might get sued. (laughs) 
with the, oh, with no, the pale I, bitch of money. I can't sing. I'm just no kidding. worries. <laughs> um, I, but I, I was just kind of colliding with life, you know, mm-hmm. supporting mm-hmm. myself, trying to find connections. And when I finally found one and the person that I married, um, you know, I really found a friend and we should have probably just left it at that. But, but yeah. we got married and uh, had four kids and 22 years later, um, it wasn't going so well. Mm-hmm. And uh, d- did you read that part? Oh, I did. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so it really wasn't it. until after, you know, towards the end of that, that long-term marriage, which of course wasn't all bad. Right. You know, you know, somebody yeah. for 22 years. It's always a mixed bag. For Juicy sure. um, details to come. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it, it wasn't until after I, uh, towards the end of that marriage that mm. I really, um, was able to claim those experiences for myself. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then there was no guilt and no shame and no fear. Right. Mm. Um, I was reclaiming my life and my body and my sexuality mm-hmm. and would I you, did it with. Would you say that it was a <clears throat> long time coming? <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. So we're on the topic of fuck buddies let's talk about that because like how like so for for me and you brady like we both deconstructed in a world and rana too deconstructed in a world where there were there were not resources for people that grew up religious right (laughs) and that's like why we started this show you know so like when we went out and just did it it was like what the fuck am i doing you know what i mean like yeah you you just don't have context for like what is and isn't appropriate in you know our american culture as far as sexuality goes until big what mouth is it came gonna out, be right? like what's mm-hmm. expected yeah no it was, it was even before big mouth right so i feel like which is a great show but <laughs> it is a great show <laughs> so i feel like there's there's a lot to be said about um, like, okay, so you just, Rana, you described your first interaction, your first sexual interaction with somebody, and you had these expectations that came with it, right? And mm-hmm. that was the direct result of not being properly educated on what sexuality is like and what it means and what it means to different people. Hmm. And uh, no, no talk about autonomy, no talk about consent or any of that. Right. So... Knowing what we know now, right, the three of us here about I like about this is fuck going. buddies and mm-hmm. about uh, hookup culture and about, like, you know, when it is and isn't appropriate to, like, hook up with somebody and shit like that. Like, what were the things that you, you guys had to learn the hard way? And what were the things that you figured out? Here's an idea that I have. If we let me do that and put in a little spin on it, how about I walk you through what a hookup looks like for me? Okay. And I can talk people through that with with the listeners who maybe you're gay or have not had been able to have access to that part of you. What it looks like for me is I, um, now that we have apps and everything, that was one thing I had to learn was how to navigate apps. Sure. So that was weird because you don't know what you're walking into. Let people know where you're going. If you're meeting up somewhere, mm-hmm. have accountability because that's going to be important. Um, accountability. Oh my God. Fuck me up. Wait, I said yep, testimony this, and accountability. It's on the, it's, on the, <gasps> uh, it's, it's all going in the trigger warning. I need a, I, I need a pallet. Please. <laughs> 
Am I allowed to say pussy as a gay man? Now yeah. I feel, okay, I feel like that cleans my palate. Okay, pussy. That, say pussy. Pussy, there we go. They clean my palate. Um, but like for me, what it looks word. like for now is I, I talk to somebody online through an app or something, and then I get to know them to where I feel like I can be a little bit more comfortable. Share more f- pictures. If you feel a little strange that maybe somebody is not being honest with you about pictures voice that and be honest because we're living in an age where you shouldn't ever have to not have the ability to prove who you are okay so sure. don't don't right. places like right, that. Right, right. let people know where you're going um you owe nothing to nobody right if you show up there and you don't feel right you have the right to get the fuck out of there and to do oh. and you're not you're not treating others the way you don't want to be treated you're not like whatever oh God, you yeah. have the you have the right you have that right you have that autonomy you have that yeah the, that consent can is yours yes can i ask you something about mm-hmm. that yeah do you feel like that's different for you going into that situation as a as a male mm-hmm. if you, oh, if you change sure. your oh, mind time. you're not going to get murdered absolutely yeah and yeah and that's why i think it's important to have um accountability but, but i can't speak to to women because i i don't know what yeah. the fuck i'm talking about uh but i know with like guys and also it's i know that it's easier for us guys because we're more app focused because of how our society mm-hmm. is so we've had to find other ways to do that and so a lot of these like consent conversations of figuring out what are you into what are the expectations of this how far is this probably going to go how what is on the table what's that on the table those are conversations that are easier for gay people sometimes because we're using grinder and able to have those conversations beforehand mm-hmm. on an app right is whereas they're not always the most easy conversations for a man or woman to have because I can say I have to ask, are you a top or a bottom? Right. 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 And that conversation has to be done. Whereas those roles are assumed for straight people, and that conversation isn't going to be as intuitive as they are going to be for gay people on an app. Dude, totally. Straight people yeah. have a lot of uh, like a uh, a lot of protocol, I think, to still a lot of a lot of things you can learn that from gay, the gays. That gay men. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's absolutely true. I think it's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's so much built into the the female male dynamic, so many assumptions mm. made. Mm. Right. Uh, yeah, just, absolutely. Yeah. So Rana, yeah. what uh yes, I do, go do you do this do the same thing if you're okay with that? Um sure. that uh you had a few years before you got remarried where you were mm-hmm. just kind of like doing your yeah. thing you maybe you're on some apps on some dating apps or like you know sometimes you meet somebody at a party what was that like it, uh, that period of my life was actually fairly short-lived okay um because i met someone yeah hello and then i was done nothing wrong with that um i i did use i did use a website um i really only used one website because i can tell you that as a straight female going into that world i've never been so popular in my life uh-huh. um, yep. <laughs> it was flooded with offers from men of every age like sure. 20 to 80 well you yeah. are you are pretty damn hot yep. i'll say that as a gay man like i would watch That's your season of sex fun. in the city because i want to know what you're, I <laughs> I know what you're up to i want to know what you're up to <laughs> i did um when i was on this site uh i changed my i uh, changed my gender and i changed my parameters a couple of times just to see who else was out there mm-hmm. and i thought i have no competition <laughs> yeah. there aren't that many straight women out there yeah, yeah. um so uh i felt like i could really just sit back and be choosy and take my time and check everybody out. I didn't have to jump into anything. And I didn't. I, I have a pretty good radar, even though going into it, I was incredibly naive in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I still have a pretty good feel for people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And anything that made me uncomfortable, any little thing that, that turned to me off, I just, you know, block, 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 block. Right. And, you know, ended up communicating uh, directly with a, a handful of people here and there. And uh, so there was, it was so fascinating to have no pressure. Mm-hmm. It was like looking at kittens in a box, <laughs> like all these little strays. <laughs> Which one do I want to take home? Bumble <laughs> yeah, kind of like that, would have been it? so grateful for a little attention from me. So yeah. that's not a position I'd ever been in in my life, right? To have to to feel like I had the power. Hmm. Yeah. No. I, so a couple of things out of that. First of all, what you were saying about your intuition, right? Like trust your body, right? And that's like, that's like something that Jamie who has been on the show a few times says a lot. And it's like, if you, if something feels off, just Mm -hmm. go with it. Like if something feels off, keep it on. Push yourself. Yes. Right. Don't push yourself to do something that you don't feel comfortable doing. Mm. And then like, also you don't have to understand why you don't have to have a good reason why, right? You can literally just leave at any point. Mm -hmm. That is your right, for sure. Um, And a lot of times you will find out down the line that like, oh, I was in a sketchy situation or that dude was weird or, you know. I want to know anything about that. You might find you right (laughs) (laughs) The other thing is that I, uh, so I I didn't get to read your whole book, but I read read some chunks of it. And you, you know, so I won't, I can't give too much away because I didn't read that much of it. But you describe your first, uh, post-marital or extramarital sexual encounter as the best sex you had ever had at that point in your life mm-hmm. right so that's like i mean i, I can we feel just like have that's a moment pretty, of silence i know <laughs> right like, just like can we just like i mean though but honestly my, my ex-wife would have the right to say the same about me <laughs> right yeah yeah because christian marriages and christian sexuality are just weighed down with tons of that what you were saying, like responsibility and, you know, uh, uh, just like all of this sense of like, it has this weight and you're always burdened with this sense of like, this is it forever, you know? And it's like, <laughs> oh my God, I remember that this feeling. Is it oh, now. This is it's, it forever. It's so <gasps> fucking horrible, yeah. you know? And it's I, like, I was not in a Christian marriage, I was no longer a Christian. Mm-hmm. My husband hadn't ever been a Christian, which is one of the reasons I would. I really liked him a lot because we could talk about stuff. Yeah. Um, but you know, he was gay. Gay men he are the worst. Yeah. So, and he wasn't, you know, and I say this, I've said this a million times and I'll say it again. His story is not my story to tell. Right, sure. right, 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 right. This is not about his sexuality. Right. Um, um, he's married to a man. He's happy. I really like his new husband. He's good. a great guy. My good. kids like him. You know, mm-hmm. it's all good. Um, so this isn't about that. And I wouldn't ever, I wouldn't want anyone to ever have the impression that I'm like, he was gay. It's like, sure. He was, he gay. was gay. It's complex. Yeah. It, it's complex yeah. and, the, and shit happens. Right? It's, not my fault. it's not his fault that he didn't, hadn't put all the pieces together. And like, the, again, that's his story, not mine. So that's how the, that's how it went. Right. That's yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> that's just what happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. Uh, so we had, you know, we were disconnected and had some weird shit in our marriage for reasons that I wasn't able to puzzle out. Sure. While it was happening. You know, there's like, 
there's also there's another thing that what you just said reminded me of which is the fact that we are sort of as as evangelicals indoctrinated to believe that the apex is marriage in in like best case scenario is you don't have sex till you get married you get married to the person you have sex with that person and that is as good as it is which is that like is a worst case scenario super super not true it's <laughs> yes it is a it's a worst case scenario right it is so bad but the the fact that it like it got better for both of you post marriage mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. just like so important i think for people to hear yes. because yes. It's yeah. so it is hard to believe that mm. when you are in a marriage that isn't working, mm. where you're not sexually compatible, where yeah, you, where your spouse is, is gay. Yeah. And a lot of times people in evangelicalism, like in Brady's case, mm -hmm. their spouse knows that their spouse is gay but and they are still trying to do this thing, right? I'm, I'm on both sides. I'm on both sides because I was that gay person in my marriage and then to find out I was also the one married to somebody who is and is right, now out. Right. And, you're, yeah. and so it's like oh weird for you it was <laughs> wild a, it was unexpected and um i support her to death and her yeah. um partner is fucking amazing uh because she she is kind of like a very empathetic personality and she's so incredibly sweet Oh, I'm in love with her. So it, it worked out the best for all of us. But yeah. yeah, I hit both of those. I do have a friend that 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 happened to. She was she was uh, married with three children and realized she met someone and realized, oh, yeah, I'm I'm gay. And mm -hmm. she went to her husband and, you know, things weren't good anyway. And she said, you know, I I'm gay and we have to get a divorce. And he said, oh, whew, OK, I'm gay, too. Oh, wow. They, no oh, way. Yeah. Oh my God. They divorced and. And went on to be gay separately and raise their kids together just fine. Yeah. It's the new normal. And you know what? Like, I, you know, so being gay in a hetero marriage is like an ex is like the far end example of that. But like within the spectrum of sexuality, there are lots of things that can make you incompatible with your spouse. Right. Yes. Right. Lots of, and all of those are valid, mm -hmm. right? All of those are like equally valid things. I want to yeah. say equally but they're still very valid. Okay. Toilet paper roll. There's a way to put it. <laughs> Phil, that's not sexual, but yeah, for sure. Don't, I'm talking, don't, I'm talking don't like kink shame me. I'm talking like doms and subs and like, <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm talking like, like people with kinks. I'm talking, you know, okay, I don't I'm know. I gotcha, I gotcha, gotcha. I'm talking people that are, you know, whether or not you view it as an orientation, polyamorous or whatever, you know, it's like all yeah. like your sexual needs are valid and they are a valid reason to stop holding e each other back sexually, right, mm. in a marriage, you know? And, and however you handle that, whether you get divorced, whether you open it up, or however you handle that is, like, cool. But it's, like, I'm just, like, for me personally, like, I'm a straight male, right? So, we like, know. We know. when I get divorced, yeah, we, I know. I'm so boring. God. I'm a straight dude. Every opportunity he has to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I try to avoid it if I can. Um but I'm, I'm, I'm a straight dude, so it's like my reasons, my sexual reasons for wanting to get a divorce are stereotypical and played out and often viewed in a negative way, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, that's the, the same thing for, well, you just want to fuck up it. You just want to have sex, right? Like, and that's, but that's like all, it's like all that valid. Isn't valid. It's fucking valid, right? It is valid. Yeah. 
I think it's absolutely valid. And but but when you're first coming out of evangelicalism, it's really hard to allow yourself to say that that's a good reason Mm. that you need to change something. But Mm. then, like you said, you act upon it, and then it's like, hmm, that all melts away. And by the way, um, we were talking earlier about female empowerment when it comes to putting putting you in power of the friends of the benefit situation or how you were able to kind of like pick through um practically speaking i think the like what may be helpful for our leader uh, listeners for for female listeners is bumble right would be a good dating app for that that kind of that's puts a, more power it's a it is a definitely an inherently safer dating app there you go mm. um or at least less annoying <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say it's inherently safer because you still have to meet somebody and you still have to take the precautions involved in meeting somebody, yeah. mm-hmm. but yeah. you, the, you have to message them first as the female. As the female. Right. So, oh, interesting. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it kind of puts them in the ability to pick and choose. It keeps because... your DMs from running over. That's for sure. Yeah. Speaking of DMs, we do need to take a break. Um, I don't know what the connection is. Give me the, I'm going to have a connection by the time we get back and I'm going to explain the joke. Uh, we'll we be... need to... Do a minute break. <laughs> We're done. He got it. We're winning. Thank you, Chuck. So you just outbraided right. Brady. That was good. We'll be back we'll be right after back this. back after this. <laughs> okay, Chuck, are you ready? We only have one shot. We got to make this work. Uh, wait, you didn't give just, just, me... Just read your lines. I'll oh. give you the paper. Oh. Okay. okay. Are you guys ready? Are you ready? All right. Uh, okay. uh, um, are you ready to deconstruct with friends? What the, what the hell? Where did, where did all this come from? <laughs> Deconstructing your faith used to be lonely you got a band? and boring as hell. Wait, wait, wait. But no one must wait. deconstruct their faith alone ever again when you oh. deconstruct with friends. Um, Chuck, tell them what we mean. Um, yeah, that's, that's right, Brady. Yeah. Uh, the life after has a... Uh, uh, what the hell, Brady? Uh, I went full on Jumanji on this one. But keep going. He's a rental by the hour. The, the Life After Podcast has a secret Facebook community and Slack yeah. channel for people deconstructing the, the uh, Christian fundamentalism and other oppressive religions. Uh, meet new people and, and, elephants. Uh, and deconstruct with, with friends. friends. <laughs> nice job, Chuck. You even got the echo. Uh, thanks. Uh, that was kind of cool, I guess. Oh, God, he's touching me with his trunk. Uh, you can apply for the secret group it's on, our fa- on our Facebook by answering three entrance questions. Your membership is hidden, and the admins keep the room constructive and helpful. Now, can we get this elephant out of here? Nope, probably not, but we can. Deconstruct with friends! Uh, welcome back to The Life After. I'm Chuck Parson. And I'm Brady Harden. And we're here with Rana Russell. Rana Russell. You sound like a Riverdale character or something from like <laughs> Rana DC Russell. Kind of... Ooh, yeah. Super, like... Superman probably had a crush on her in grade school. Rana Russell. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rana, we're going to jump into your story. Um, but I want to tease our, our listeners. Later on in this episode, we're going to talk to Rana about how to navigate having difficult like telling your story about difficult things with your family members and stuff and how to navigate all that so rana can you kind of jump us into your story knowing that you love your family even though they do crazy shit (laughs) (laughs) i do love my family and by family i assume you mean children 
sisters, mother, everybody. all living, remaining, everyone. Everybody, right? Everybody. everybody. <laughs> so here's, here's the thing about women, uh, and especially women who write. We are expected, if you heard of the trope, uh, virgin Madonna whore, uh-huh. You gotta pick one. No, but yeah. I, that makes yeah, yeah, sense. Yeah. yeah, you're you're either the virgin, or you're the Madonna, uh-huh. or you're the whore. Uh-huh. It's it's all throughout literature from the beginning of recorded history. Yeah. So I reject that because I'm all of them. Mm, cool. Unapologetically, yeah. everybody gets to play those roles. Uh, you're the you're the child. Uh, you're the mother if you choose to be. Most of us, most of us are mm-hmm. throughout adulthood. You know, most women end up having a child uh-huh. um, or four in my case. Uh, and everyone has the right to explore their own sexuality. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I just completely reject the whole idea that I can't be all three of those women and more besides. Mm-hmm. So Very cool. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I am all of those things. And not all of the people in my life have to necessarily appreciate the other aspects of me. And sometimes they don't, but I am all of them. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am. I love it. Take it or and leave so it. Are, so are we all. Absolutely. We can, I think women get really caught up in judging each other and it's a reflection of our patriarchal society because men get caught up in, in putting women in boxes, mm-hmm. right? Well, like Literally, I don't know, I've never followed Stormy Daniels on Twitter. Uh huh. Yeah, right. Sharp as a whip. She is yeah, so yeah, yeah. fucking smart. Oh, she's hilarious. Quick. Yeah. She's hilarious, she's right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, not that I have ever been a stripper or ever could be, but that's, that's not my point, right? The point is to be unapologetic. Yeah. Yes. She is yeah. who she is. She's also uh, either is or was a wife. She's also a mother. Uh huh. Right. She, she plays all of those roles. And I think if, if as women, we can embrace all of who we are I love that. Yeah. and not constantly be fucking apologizing to everyone yes. for those other parts of ourselves, mm. maybe we could get to a place where we can just be. That's fucking great. Mm-hmm. I, one thing I love about social media is the fact that we can communicate with those people. So there's a lot of like fucking yeah. porn, porn stars and then they have the social media and then you kind of get a glimpse into who they are and what mm-hmm. they care about. And you're mm-hmm. like, holy shit, you are a fascinating, intelligent person. Sure, yeah, and absolutely. those stereotypes that we've had in our heads of like, oh, you're either a jock or you're in the chest. Like uh-huh. that sort of bullshit gets <laughs> yeah, melted yeah, yeah. away because life is nuanced as hell. Yeah. 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 So what was that like growing up? Because your thing, your book, you know, the uncomfortable confessions of a preacher's kid, that was kind of a defining relationship at the beginning was being a preacher's kid. What were the expectations and what was, what did your life early life look like? So the expectations were, um, were my life. Hmm. Uh, the, not hmm. just the, hmm. the trappings of being Pentecostal, which is the outer appearance, you know, the dresses and the hair and whatnot, um, super strict, incredibly strict, um, combined with the expectations of, of reflecting well on my, on my father. That was, uh, my job, my sister's jobs, and probably my mother's job as well. Mm-hmm. We were accessories. Mm-hmm. 
you know, mm. like handbags or bracelets. Mm. We had to match. We had to, we had to say the right thing, look the right way. Do, and, and that was really all we were there for. Mm. So if so you, there, you step outside yeah. of that, right. I mean, like it's, <laughs> which everybody <laughs> does, right. Cause nobody is actually an accessory. So you, right. you step outside of that and you're, like there, are, it's just such narrow parameters for a human being to exist in. Yeah, yeah. You fall into being either yep. the whore or <laughs> yeah, those other right. words that you mentioned, right? Yeah. Like that. Well, I mean, as a as a child, I was just I was scared a lot, you uh-huh. know, because there's the fear of hell that that's very real. The whole rapture anxiety thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Preach. The overwhelming fear, and I really was actually a good little girl, and I didn't want to be in trouble, so. There was that, you know, my, my dad had a pretty violent temper and my mom was really super strict. So there's a lot of fear and pressure there as well. Um, you know, I just don't remember childhood being a whole lot of fun. There wasn't a, mm. a lot of opportunity to just sort of be a kid and be free and, uh, you were kind of forced of to, yeah. you're kind of forced right? to think about really serious shit all the time. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah really serious shit all the time. I never thought about it that way before, but that's, that's true. Life and death matters were at hand all the time. Hmm. So you were a pastor's kid as per the, the book title. Um, you were also, so you were a, in the UPC, the United Pentecostal church, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Right. which is a particularly strange and strict, sort of branch of Pentecostalism as actually like I remember being educated on UPC because it's like largely considered a cult even by evangelicals. Wow. Um, yeah. Like I was, they, they were like, well, they don't believe in the Trinity and <laughs> I don't know, right. whatever. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. what, what was like you, so I always like to hear, I don't like to hear, but I want to talk about uh, particularly strict corners of Christianity. What was it like to be UPC? What was the culture like? The culture is closed. Mm-hmm. You don't associate outside of the church. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't talk to your neighbors. You don't play with the kids down the street. Mm-hmm. You go to school, but you can't be friends with the kids at school. Mm-hmm. You'll look like a fucking freak because you're in a goddamn dress all the time mm-hmm. and you have hair down your there that idea i think there's some scripture about it of being in the world but not of it lord yeah i I didn't pay a whole lot of attention in sunday school so i don't really have much recall for scripture (laughs) good for you i was like "Eh." um but i but that that was the mentality right so Mm -hmm. we're here but not for long Mm. the rapture is going to happen any minute you got to be ready all the time and your point is well taken about um, having very serious matters uh, on, mm. you know, on, on my mind from the time I was, you know, conscious. Um, you had to be ready and, and you were scared until you got the Holy Ghost and then you had to stay ready until the rapture came. And it could be any, any minute. Any minute. And, and mm. so you're living in this constant state of anxiety um, that everything could be come crashing down at any second. And, but at the same time, you have to walk through your daily life. You have to get on the school mm. bus. You feel safe, right. Right. You're, you're not safe anywhere, mm. not anywhere. And there's no connection anywhere. And then, so within my family, because of the whole 
being on a pedestal thing and have everyone, you know, everyone was watching us. So if, if like the preacher's kid steps out of line, everybody notices. Oh, it's yeah. not like just some person in the congregation who might step out of line and maybe there's a little gossip, and, but then it, nobody really cares. But when you're in the spotlight, they care. They're watching. They're waiting for you to trip. Mm. Ah, that's so intense, man. That is so yeah. fucking intense. It sucked. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have no doubt that it sucked. I mean, like, I think, on- I think that's why it was so easy for me to say, screw this and walk away because it's like, it all sucked so yeah. much mm. that it was, it was pretty easy for me to just say, you know, nope, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing it. Any yeah, of yeah. It. Yeah. Okay. So on top of being, I mean, just, okay. So I'm imagining just existing in this, like super strict rapture cult like yeah. you are that's stressful but like on top of that you're being you are a, you are a pastor's kid so the spotlight's on you right. everybody's looking at you you got to do everything right you're getting in trouble for shit that n- most kids wouldn't get in trouble for right. you're pretty isolated socially right like you your church didn't even really socialize with itself very much right yeah that's true which is insane. That to me is crazy because it's usually like, yeah. usually cults like hyper, like they're like definitely interact with each other, but don't interact with anybody else. But in this case, it was like, no, your family, like your platonic family is like it, right? Yeah. <sighs> Not platonic, right. Um, nu- nuclear. nuclear. Yeah, thank nuclear, you. Yeah. Nuclear family is it. Yeah, exactly. Right. So on top yeah. of all of that, right, like mm-hmm. you're, <laughs> you're, Dad is like a really interesting figure in your story. <laughs> That's one way to say it. <laughs> Without giving away too much. Yeah. Yeah. He was a big personality, big fish in a in a small pond. Uh-huh. Really feeling himself. Yeah. He he had a, you know, he achieved a certain amount of success, I think, and making a name for himself and running these Bible colleges and um it all came crashing down on him. Uh, because he wasn't being true to himself ultimately. Mm. Yeah, he couldn't he wasn't able to to do the things that he wanted to do within the church. Uh-huh. He wasn't able to run the Bible colleges the way he wanted to run them. Mm. Um and so then that put him on the outs with, you know, the powers to be. Yeah. Uh, and and he created a difficult situation for himself in several different ways and uh you know, that's all kind of part of the story. What happened to him and how that affected the decisions I made as an adult and how I repeated some of those things. Sure. Shit. Totally by accident. Uh Yes. (laughs) As it happens. Okay. So what's the, I mean, there, there's a, there's an elephant here, right? Like he, he, your, your pastor dad had a big secret that eventually came to the forefront. And left a lot of devastation that he was yeah. gay. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Veronica, but it wasn't just that he's gay. There were problems. It's it's one thing just to be, right? Like, I mean, I repressed right. myself and I saved myself because I felt that the Lord thought that this was wrong. And, you know, it didn't do anything until <laughs> after I came out. But your dad didn't really decide to not do anything until it was okay within his belief system or you know what I mean? It wasn't like he was following his own rules that he was preaching on a regular basis. Right. There there was overlap. Right. Between big, big big overlap. And it's because, uh, you know, lots of things were happening at the same time. And this is where 
my own life repeats his that this story a little bit later on. Um, you know, his career's falling apart, his ministry's falling apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's met someone and realizing, you know, coming to grips with his own sexuality, but he's not ready to do that publicly. He doesn't even know how to do that publicly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At the end of his his career, his ministry, which is the only career that he's ever had. Hmm. He's never worked. He'd never worked in the secular world right. at all. He'd, he'd been in the ministry his entire adult life. Hmm. Um, so these are all, you know, this is too much for one person to handle well. Mm-hmm. And he didn't handle it well. Mm. He didn't yes. know how to handle it well. Mm. And I think he was so like the, once he found himself, there was no way he could turn, he could turn away. Right. And, and I know that a lot of men who don't have the access that are homosexuality, they end up stepping out on their wives. They do go one right. way. And that's, that's, that happens. I get it. But right. when you read Rana's story with her dad, uh, which we highly recommend, uh, yeah, that's great. and it's available on Amazon, there's, there's other shit that her dad is doing that is not ever acceptable or not ever even understandable of like, Oh, I can see where he's coming from. It gets to a point of, um, very unhealthy decisions that he's making that are putting other people at risk and it's not okay ever. Um, and so I want to make that distinction because um, mm-hmm. it's it it's yes it's not the most moral thing to step out, uh, but when you don't have access to your sexuality or homosexuality or heterosexuality in certain ways, um, shit happens and you're gonna right. make messes. Mm-hmm. But yeah. god damn it, when you make a mess, um, do not be like Rana's father. <laughs> Deal with your shit and take care of well, it. Well, and this is also right. like we didn't really mention, but this is like the p. This is like the middle of the AIDS crisis, right? Yes. So it's right. like early '80s, late '70s, early '80s, or something. And this is like a this is a dangerous time to be un uh, dishonest, and dishonest and unsafe about your sexuality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, okay, that, you, that you is mentioned all true. That's all true. He was going to bathhouses and yeah. still there's, yeah. oh, I don't want to give away your story, yeah. but yeah. there's just, there's shit. And, and knowing that he, he took risks Thank that, you. um, he had no right to take. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one thing to risk your own life and he did, but to risk somebody else's just because you don't have the courage Girl, yes. to, yeah. to be yourself and to be honest. Um, because that's wrong. You know, it's, un- it's unforgivable, but at the same time, forgiveness is mandatory because you forgive other people for your own peace of mind. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You don't let you them know? live. And I can't, I can't live the rest of my life still like being mad at my dad, who's been gone a long time. Yeah. You know, I yeah, I can't tell his story because it's I, a consent I, I, issue. I have a lot of empathy for. Situation. So tell us a little bit about what happened when your dad came out to this UPC group, right? Because you were you you were in St. Louis for the first nine, ten years of your life or something like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then and then your dad Well, you tell you can you do you mind telling that story? Okay. So when we're I'm in like a senior in high school, we're in California, 
we had just moved yet again. I, I went to three different high schools in three different states. Okay. Like okay, we were okay. moving, moving, moving. Right. Oh, okay. So we were in California. He has a job at this church. He also has a boyfriend on the side Okay. that no one knows about. Okay. Um, and he, he gets caught. Oh, he got caught. Mm. Okay. He got caught. Okay. So, I'm sorry about that. No, it's okay. Um, there are lots of ins, ins and outs there. And yeah. so he uh, leaves that church, moves to LA. His partner joins him there, but he never tells my mother why he left. And mm. nobody at the church told my mother why he mm. left. So Jesus. nobody knew what was actually happening. Mm. No one, wow. no one except for the pastor of that church knew. Um, you know, why you fired him. Um, so Jesus. he, he was just like spinning plates. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, he goes to LA to start over and he gets work like selling insurance or something. And, and he's living with his partner hmm. who was a great guy and loved my dad a lot. Um, no beef with him. Sure. Um, and, you know, he's going back and forth. He's still coming home, pretending to be married to my mom. Mm. And, uh, it's just, he's just lying to everyone. Mm. Wow. And you know, that can't go on right, right, right. for very long. And it didn't. Mm. Um, yeah. So eventually, you know, my mom left him. Um, and he, you know, it's another I mean, honestly, kind of a shitty thing is he made her do it, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> he made mm-hmm. her take all the steps mm-hmm. and uh, she, I, f- I really feel for her, felt for her then and feel for her now. Um, coming from that same UPC background, she had no framework for sexuality at all, but especially not for homosexuality, mm-hmm. wow. completely outside her entire frame of reference and any level. So she's got no way to cope and no way to process it. And probably blaming herself. It, she's well, it's, you know, it's a sin. He's rejected Christ. You, mm. There's no, there's no understanding of biology, just basic biology. Right. Mm. So you can't process something that, Oh, he's gay. No, it's like he's rejected Christ. And now not mm. only committing the biggest sin you can commit, he's going to hell. So there's 25 different kinds of heartbreak in there for her. That's a, you know, that's exactly why I wanted to talk about that story is because like, (laughs) you you know, it's like, obviously you hear that story and it's very difficult to sympathize with your dad, but there is this problem in our, it's, it's not just evangelical culture, especially back in the eighties. It's the culture at large and the way that evangelicalism has, has affected it is that like your dad had no context to talk about, his feelings, his right. sexuality. He had right. nothing. Your mom had no context to process it at right. all. It's like that same story happens in 2019. And it's like, okay, we have context for this. We have stories that we've heard before. Yeah. We have, mm-hmm. you know, I watch TV and there are gay people. So I kind of right. understand right. what gay means. You listen right. to life after and there is a really and it's, funny gay. With it's the just like my mantra that I say so much on the show that I just feel like evangelicals need to understand 
and there's example after example after example is that repression does not work. Yes. You cannot I, repress your sexuality. Mm-hmm. It just I, does not work. It doesn't work. The fundamental part of who you are. In the very least, you need context to talk about it and to yeah. have honest conversations about it. And the people around you need context to understand it. Or else you become isolated and you lie and you do stupid shit and you put people at risk. Or you hurt or you, you, hurt you rape people. or mm-hmm. you are a pedophile or, you know, it's just, yeah. it comes out in the ugliest ways. It's going to tunnel out somewhere. Right. It's yeah. going to come out. It is absolutely 100% going to come out. Yeah. And you need to, like, not acknowledging that is the most dangerous thing that the church is doing. I, I literally think it's the most dangerous thing the church I agree. is doing. I absolutely agree. I don't think that anyone escapes it uh, without sexual damage. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yes. Even, even if you are, like myself, a heterosexual male, a straight man. God, like we the, know. The oh, easiest Jesus. role. I still <laughs> came out of I'm that shit. Doing... You didn't tell me this guy was great. What Fuck off, Brady. Yeah, no, I, I, st- I still come out of it with, like, shit that I got to work through, man. Yeah. We need to take... Everybody does. And I, I agree with you. I think it is absolutely the most dangerous thing because it, it affects everything else. It affects mm. how women are treated. It affects how children are treated. Yeah. Uh, it, it affects all of the rights that people think the women should have or should not have. Yeah. It, it's all sex is at the, at the core of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why we probably don't want to go down the abortion road here, but you know, if the goal was to get rid of abortion, there are really easy ways to do that. Mm -hmm. That's not the goal. The goal is sexual control. Right. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Everybody birth control and comprehensive sex ed abortion rates plummet. Plummet. It is not pocket science. Right. 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 Mm. Yes. I don't want that. That's not, that is not the goal. The goal. No, yeah, you're absolutely goal. right. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, on that note, let's. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and uh, and when we get back, we're gonna uh, keep on down this. This is an keep intense episode. Road. I like. I like keep, it. We're getting. We're getting. Down, we're down hitting the, the road. Oh, am I allowed to sing that? Brady's not gonna sing when we get back. Oh, hello there, Chuck. <laughs> I didn't see you there. How are you? Hmm? Good. Just uh, editing the episode. What's up? <laughs> What's up? Oh, you commoner and your common talk. I guess I'm what you would say, doing not much. <laughs> what is this? Chuck, pst, pst, Chuck, it's me, your pal Brady. I'm practicing patronizing, so I'm working on being more condescending to people. <laughs> Ooh, do you have any idea where Matt could get some crumpets around here? <laughs> uh, wh- why are you doing this? You know, for our Patreon, we've been asking people to patronize our page, and I didn't want to ask them to do something I wasn't willing to do it myself, so I figured I would get some practice in. Oh, God. Brady, no, that's huh? that's what? not what it means. Oh, no? Listen, listeners can go to our Patreon page, pick the level you want to contribute. Oh. Each level has special rewards. Okay. Like, exclusive life after minisodes. Or not safe for work bloopers? Uh, or like a monthly collection of deconstruction memes. And even personal consultations or meet up with your favorite host, Chuck and Brady? Yeah. Brady. Patreon.com slash the life after. <laughs> I guess even you could find it. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. We've been talking about <laughs> rape and abortion. Uh, I know. Woof. Heavy. Let's take it down a notch. Let's take talk about family. <laughs> <laughs> um, so much easier. It is. 
Brady, how was your Thanksgiving? <laughs> That's a long time ago. Rana, um, we've talked about what our cultures could have done different. We've talked about what is it like to be a woman in patriarchy, um, which on all of those, if there's anything else you want to add, we want to hear about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, but also, I just want to hear practically speaking, as you're writing this book, um, I've, when I tell my story, it's difficult because it involves ex-wives and mothers and dads all doing things that aren't always the best interest of the one who's telling the story, you know, and that's hard to navigate in the weird Christian nuances and weird ways that that fucks with our family dynamics. Can you give us some advice? What do we talk about? What do we not talk about and how do we handle it? I can tell you, I can tell you about how I did it. Yes. Um, I would love and that's it. Really, you know, that's the, the limit of my expertise. Um, I, uh, was able to tell my truth about my father's story because he's dead. Mm. So what can I do about it? Mm-hmm. So kill your family members. <laughs> Take them out. Um, I, uh, to, I, I left my children out of it as much as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. I did not tell their individual stories in any kind of detail. Uh, I just, but, but they're so much a part of my life that they had to be there. I told them about it ahead of time. Um, but it's not a story about them. And I, and I took the same approach with both of my sisters. It's they're in there as characters, but I'm not telling their story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't try to, mm-hmm. and I did, you know, run things by them ahead of time, you know, ask them if I could use their names or not. Um, the trick, much trickier part was my ex-husband. And I, I did, you know, in some of my final edits, go back through and take out anything that I thought, um, you know, I, I, and I was looking at it on, honestly, from a legal standpoint, like mm. I can tell things that actually happened because those are, those are true. Mm-hmm. But I took out anything that could possibly be construed as subjective. Mm. I made really sure to not try to interpret his um, experiences, behaviors, or actions. It's not my job to tell his story. I have no right to try. Um, so I didn't ever talk about you know, how I thought he felt about anything because that's not, that's not my place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also like, I don't hate the guy, you know, I'm just telling the story Sure. Um, for a larger, for a larger purpose. Um, and I, I tried to do the same thing with my mother and I did tell her story a little bit more, but only as it intersected with, with me, mm-hmm. even, even as an adult, like I tell some about, like a surgery she had that was quite traumatic. And, um, and I, I told that story from my own perspective in dealing with, you know, having a sick parent. Um, so it's, I think it's really, really important to, to tell your truth, to step into that, Mm. but know where that boundary is where you're, if you start to interpret somebody else's story, that's you stop before you get there. Mm. Don't ever have a right to tell somebody else's shit. You can tell your own shit, but not it, but not anybody else's. And I also think that it's really important to explore your motivations 
um, when you're telling your story? Like, are you writing, is this revenge? Mm-hmm. Or, or why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Why, um, why did you do it? Because uh, the stories from my childhood literally just came out of me. They just like bubbled up and came out my fingertips into my computer. <laughs> sure. I, I couldn't, I couldn't hardly stop it from happening. Yeah. Okay. It was a way of processing my past. Yes. Um, that I had for decades, just like, uh, just going to pretend like that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But that never works. Um, so I, I was processing my childhood experiences, right. And making sense of it because I found myself in this situation when my marriage ended, like, how did I get to this place? Mm. And that's, that's why I started writing. I started writing how I got to that place. Mm. Mm-hmm. What are you and, hoping uh, to do with your story? Like how, how have people been taking it and how have they been responding to it? Um, I've gotten a lot of really positive feedback. I haven't gotten any negative feedback to my face. Uh-huh. It doesn't mean it isn't out there, right. but nobody has the balls to say it to me. <laughs> 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 I, I, I get messages and emails from people who, who relate and kind of pour their heart out and tell me stuff about themselves that they couldn't possibly share with anybody else. But because I have bared my soul and everything else to such a great degree, they're like, Oh, she, she understands why I did what I did. I can, I can tell this one person. Mm. And, um, that's really gratifying to be a safe person to, for, for people to, to send a message to and say, Hey, I went through this too. God, that's so important. Um, yeah, because you know most people aren't gonna aren't gonna write, write a memoir about their fuck buddy mm-hmm. and just tell mm-hmm. it all, mm-hmm. you know. So I can go first. That's I okay. I love that. Yeah, I'm I'm claiming these experiences for women. I'm claiming them for myself, and I'm claiming them for us all. So if I can say, hey, this is what I needed to do to to write myself, then maybe somebody else can not beat themselves up about what they did to write themselves. I love that. One reason that we make this show, I look at it as a way to kind of pave the way out of a bad mm-hmm. experience. And so the mm-hmm. bad experience we talk about is leaving fundamentalism. And so the more we can kind of lay down a, a road that's paved mm-hmm. and that people can just mm-hmm. kind of stroll down instead of having to struggle through. Uh, right. I hear you doing the same thing. Road, right, right. right. Because you, yeah, so we're all we going were, on the same road thinking that each one of us is doing it alone. <laughs> but right, it's like, no, right. look and around you. We think that we are. That's how it mm-hmm. feels. And uh, like you said a few minutes ago, we all come out with sexual damage. Mm. And so if we're all feeling alone and we're all so humiliated and shamed and feeling guilty for the, the shit we did, especially the sexual shit we did when we were figuring it out. Yeah. That doesn't help if we mm. have to bury what everything that we're already mm. dealing with under guilt and shame. And Oh my God, I could never tell anyone what I did. Mm-hmm. But the you more open just, we are, it's it, just easier. Right. And it doesn't mean that you have to go write a book about it or blog about it or mm-hmm. tell anybody. But if you can know that you're not alone in it and that some of the stuff that we do and, and go through is a normal part of the process, oh, it's an understandable age. part of the process. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like guilt and shame, just it just doesn't fucking help. Yeah, well, it's look, just more. Look at what our precedent was of like, what is life like 
well, real life is from this Bible. And so we're reading this Bible and it's like, uh, that's what we have is the boundaries in our mind of what, of what reality is. Right. And if that's the only thing that we've been indoctrinated to, I'm so bored already <laughs> right? by you saying that. What do you mean? I, <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's just, it's, the, it's just a fucking boring way of looking at the world. You know? Well, but I'm saying, well, not really because I mean, you, you right around the corner could be a fucking dragon and that would be normal well, to your yeah, worldview okay, because yeah, you've been educated by a fantasy novel. <laughs> the the right? rapture's like, coming. Yeah. Right. So the, the rapture's coming. We have magic powers. God, I tell your dad to stab you. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God might tell you how to stab you. There's me. angels everywhere. Like everything's just so hyperly right, right. <sighs> but but amidst all of that, your which, life is really none of bored. which happens. Your life yeah. is incredibly boring. But if you're indoctrinated, you're still yeah. going to try to view everything through yeah, those colored glasses. True. So it's not like, um, oh, I'm going to fail this test in math. It's like, oh, the demons are fighting each other over my GPA. Like, it's that <laughs> sort of like heightening That's of everything. That, <laughs> that, that, that becomes our precedent. That becomes our expectations. But <laughs> we think the world is like but what's better and the way that that the universe has evolved that our humanity has evolved is that what we do is we 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 don't have that many senses then we find ways to have senses with that senses we gather information with that information we're able to talk about it make hypothesis communicate bounce ideas off of each other and we make theories and conclusions and if new information comes and we can improve those uh -huh. so like that's what we're doing now yeah. is we are getting the vocabulary the senses out to figure out where the fuck are we in life now and now we're able to communicate and share those ideas you're able to talk about your fuck buddies i talk about my fuck buddies and I, how that process i didn't talk is. about mine but i would there we go. <laughs> but the point being that now that we shared those communications, our precedent is no longer Abraham, Isaac, and Moses, and Joseph, and Mary. Oof. Our precedents are Chuck and, and Rana and other people that are actually living in the year that we're living yeah, in yeah, around yeah. the people that we're actually around. Right. And we can dispel all of this fear because these abstract ideas are concretely keeping us imprisoned but when we are able to break those barriers down we're in reality well dang brady i want to know i'm good i'm out i'm good i'm gonna go to the bar this is a wrap now that's fucking great man yeah no i i absolutely that's such a good way to put it that's such a good way to put it i chucked i, I made i made it had a chuck moment so right yeah you chucked <laughs> okay so rana so a lot of our a lot of our listeners one of the biggest struggles that we see and encounter uh like in our in our private group and you know just the emails we get is like fucking family and like we ask this question a lot right like it's like fucking parents man like they're indoctrinated they can't see the world any mm. other way mm. and it's it's on it's painful it's painful yeah, for it us is. because we're like i am valid and the way that i'm doing things is valid and i want you to see that so bad but it's like i don't know if you ever will mm. right it, what probably won't they probably won't how have you yeah. handled how have you handled your relationship with your mom because you you stay in contact some people choose to just absolutely yeah i did lose contact for I, I took a break for a long time when yeah. I was, um, you know, it's been a long time ago and now, that's, but that's like an important, that's 30s. an important potent, 
yeah, it's an important point in and of itself is that it's like totally okay to take a break from people. Yeah. They're mm. sucking had, the life out of you. Yeah. Yeah. I took a break. Um, and then we reconnected and, um, we avoid some topics, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, we don't really, she knows that I'm not a Christian and I think that's really painful for her mm. because she's sad that I'm going to hell. Mm-hmm. Like really, I mean, she's getting up there in age and, um, you know, I feel bad that she feels that way. And I really, I really love her a lot. Um, but we just don't talk about that stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be nice to each other for the time that she has left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm. Yeah. You know, I can't, I couldn't live next door to her and see her every day. I don't think that I could really, I could really handle that. I also have to acknowledge the ways in which we're alike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's my mother, you yeah. know, apple doesn't fall too far from the tree mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. I mean, she, she's really a wonderful person in a lot of ways and she's got mm-hmm. wonderful, wonderful relationships with all of her grandchildren. And I think that that is mm. an easier relationship for her to manage because there's, there's no baggage there. Mm-hmm. And it really brings me a lot of joy to see it. Yeah. I, I love mm. that she'll text my kids and they'll, and they'll, they, they talk to her, they go see her and, and my sister's kids are very close to her as well. Um, those are really positive and yeah. wonderful relationships. Yeah. And I want the last years of her life to be joyful and full of love mm-hmm. because I'm not an asshole. Yeah. I really feel that. You know, yeah, I mean, I she's it. my mom. I love her. Yeah. We're not, we're never going to see eye to eye on the whole religion thing, but that, that doesn't have to define right. who I, I am with her. I feel the same with my mom. Like my mom was a danger to me at a point, you know, because she didn't understand my sexuality and and Mm -hmm. thought that I was a danger to my son and whatever. But uh, Mm -hmm. I stuck around and we talked stuff out and I set boundaries and Mm -hmm. there are things that we don't talk about. And uh, like you say, it it gets better. I thought my mom would be the last person, but like she Mm -hmm. watches my son during the summer and I love her and she's good and she's learning and she's growing, but she's still, Mm -hmm. but if she, you know, if your mom did move in next door, this is just mm-hmm. a proposal. Everybody loves Rana. I would love to. I would. I would watch that show. That's basically what it'd be, right? Everybody loves Rana. Holy shit! <laughs> the least true thing that you have ever said. <laughs> That's saying a lot because Brady used to be a Calvinist. I lie all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's not. Yeah, no, I totally, dude. I totally <laughs> get that. It's like there, there is a point where, and I'll say this, like this is this is to our listeners, mm. like there is a point where you, and it's this isn't true for every parent because some people are just fucking toxic people, but. Most parents are normal human beings that are in, and Christian parents just happen to be indoctrinated, right? Yeah. There's yeah. a point where you can take a step back and let all the shit go mm. and, and, and rebuild your relationship with your parents and say, like, what do we have in common? Yes. Right? My dad, it's sci fi and technology, and we argue about politics, but it's in like a cordial way. That's cute. And with my mom, it's baseball and like TV. Really? And yeah, it's great. We just lo- we love baseball and we love TV. And that's what we bond <laughs> yeah, over. I love it. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you and my mom will get into a discussion about belief. And it's like, we're just like, I feel like I'm speaking Mandarin when I say anything logical. But it's like, whatever. She's listening and she's friendly. My dad, I don't talk about belief too much because he's, he's way too dogmatic, you know. 
but you find you find a way to make it work and it's like if you can hopefully if it's possible it's Connect absolutely with your worth parents. it if you can. It's and if totally it's worth it if you can. Yeah. yeah. If, if, if all the parties involved decide to choose the relationship first. Yes. Yeah. Yes. If you're going to love each other That's first. such a good way to like put that. it. Yes. Thank you. Then everything else, you can just let that take a backseat. What are the go-tos for your mom? What do you mean? Like conversationally. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Well, okay. so my mom's not going to listen to this. So I can just tell you, she's, she, she's elderly now. Right. So her, and she's mostly immobile. She can't get around very well anymore. So her world has gotten a lot smaller. She still lives by herself. She has her house and her, you know, like her, her yard and her grandkids and great grandkids now that come around. Um, so that's what we talk about. Hmm. What flowers are blooming and there's Mm. raspberries on the vines and the, the grand, the grandkids came over and stayed for dinner and you know, cool. stuff. Yeah. Very Just cool. Stuff. I love that too, because it kind of dispels a fear that I think Christians would have of, Oh, my daughter left the faith. She may not care about me anymore. Mm. She's mm-hmm. one of those people now mm-hmm. or something, you know, there's kind of like that otherness mm-hmm. that happens, but uh, you're able to prove through your actions that that otherness is not there, uh, that it's mm-hmm. a real familiarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of went the other way when, you know, like she told me that they had a right to reject me because I rejected the faith mm-hmm. and I decided mm-hmm. to just love her anyway, because mm-hmm. she's my mother and I'm just not going to accept that. Mm. Damn straight. You have to empathize with the, uh, not you don't have to. We get to empathize with the indoctrination. Well, well I'm in a place now where I can. I, right. You, know, for you a long cannot time, do that for several years. Oh, gosh. Gotcha. Sure. No, you have yeah. to get objective. For like, several decades. <laughs> for several decades, <laughs> yeah, yeah depending on how deep your trauma goes, for sure. Yeah. It can take a long yeah. time. Yeah. But it's, I mean, like, at the end of the day, I, we are human people and... Right. We connect over human people stuff, you know, yeah. like we can, we can find it, you know, for me, I throw my son in the way, talk, talk about my kid. <laughs> he, he saves us all. Just there you go. Kid in Netflix series. With my mom. Very cool. Rana, we cannot thank you enough. Yeah, this uh, is, this is fantastic. Such a good, helpful conversation. And thank it's, I, I, I'm not going to give any names, but we've had a previous guest on, who um, was on her way to one of her hookups and she asked me for advice and I told her go for it. And later on she came back to me and she says, thank you. I had a lot of fun. And it was (laughs) such a cool thing that I was able to be part of that in a weird ass way. Yeah. 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 Go out there, have fun, everybody get your shit together, communicate. Yes. Be safe. Yes. Also that. We didn't really talk about that in the intro, but yeah, dude, be safe. Oh, yeah, yeah, use condoms, guys. <laughs> use fucking condoms. Oh, my God. Uh, this episode has been brought, by, brought to you brought by, you by Trojan. Trojan. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been Brady Harden. This has been Chuck Parson. <laughs> in, the, in, the past, in, in the past perfect. And our wonderful guest of the week. Uh, yeah. Ronna Russell, do you, have any, <laughs> do, you, do you have any final words for our guest? Um. Buy your book. Final words for for the listeners. Yes. Buy my book. Where can there they find you? There you go. Rock your world. Where can they find you? Uh, I have a website, ronarussell.com. The book is The Uncomfortable Confessions of a Preacher's Kid, available on Amazon. Uh, 
available in paperback or Kindle. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's a good read. Uh, even if you only read the sex, it's still worth it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, also your blog on your website is really good, and I I read a few of those, and it, it's definitely right. worth reading. So, yeah, check it out, listeners. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a blast. Oh, yeah, our pleasure. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah and listeners, sure. um, remember if you're struggling really hard with not rating and reviewing us on iTunes, I just want to encourage you to go and just do it. Just- <laughs> Just go rate and review us. Uh, rate, five review, stars. subscribe. Subscribe, yeah. That helps other listeners find the show. Helps and, us out. Um, thank you so much for listening. Remember, if you don't go to church, Sunday Sunday's is just, just a second, second Saturday. Saturday. Let me put on that for you a little bit. Our angels, nobody's can we trust like we're made of angels.